Aren't you glad this morning that you and I are able to tap into the presence of God? Are you not excited about that? You know, you, you and I, we talk about the living water of God, and that's what we're going to be talking about, living water wells this morning. But it, we talk about, won't you all stand with me for just for a minute, that way the one standing won't feel awkward, and I'll get what I got to say done quicker. You know, someone, someone called the other day, and they were embarrassed a little bit. They had, they had forgotten to pay their water bill. And you know what happens when you forget to pay your water bill. Well, they got up, and Liz said, no, I've never forgotten my water bill. <laughs> well, this one did. And she said, you know, I've, I've narrowed it down, it's a woman. <laughs> but she said, I can't get ready. I can't do anything. I need that water. And she was so upset at herself, and I can't do anything. And I thought, you know, as you think about that, and you really think about the living waters of God, and the power of God, and the way he works, you know. I grew up out in the country. When I grew where I grew up, out in, off Diamond Mill Road up there, up north, I lived right off of Snake Road. Not kidding, Snake Road. How many of you know where Snake Road is? That little white house on the corner of Nolan Road and Snake, that was my great-grandparents' house way back in the day. And my daddy bought it when he was young, and we were raised up there. And I grew up there. We had a farm. We had cows. We had chickens. We had horses. We had all this. And we had a well. We had a well. Don't you know we never had to pay for that? We didn't have nobody turning it off or turning it on. We didn't have anybody messing with it. All we had to do was get out there and prime it a little bit and pump it. And there comes fresh water after you got the rust out. But it was free. Never had to mess with getting it. You know, I thought that is exactly, that's the problem, Brother James, that we got. And I didn't even say this in first service. But that's the problem we got today. We got a lot of folks in their relationship with God and their relationship to, to even the world that, they're dependent on somebody else to give them their water. Oh, come on now. you got to. They're dependent on somebody else to give them that living water. Whether that's a preacher, mommy, daddy, on the coattails of grandma, however they do that. But they haven't learned to dig well for themselves. So the moment they don't please somebody or pay the bill, that water gets shut off. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus looked into the eyes of a woman and he said, oh, if you only knew who I am, that I'll give you a drink of water, living water, where you will never thirst again. And can I add to that? I wouldn't add to what he said, but I'll throw in this thought, and it's free. It's free. It's unlimited. Morning, noon, night, doesn't matter. He's always, always available. Amen? Well, that's good. Isaiah chapter 41, that's it, you're dismissed. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 41, 
verse 17 to 20. Several of you picked up your coat. You were headed out the door. I see how you are. Uh, I will be very, uh, I've made a, a decision, you know, uh, I'm going to work harder at, at getting me out of the way. And I think the Holy Spirit wants you to get out at a decent time. So I'll get me out of the way. Um, listen to what it says about the need of people. And we're going to pray in just a moment. And when we do, we, we're going to pray not only for the word and the challenge of the word in our lives, but we're going to pray over the state of Israel as well. We've tried to, we've, we've put that in different places in the service, and I really feel like maybe it needs to be right here on Sunday where we, where we acknowledge and we, we pray for the state of Israel and the state of the United States of America and the world. So we're going to do that as well when we, when we pray in just a moment. But listen to what the Word of says from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 41, verse 17. The poor and needy are seeking water when there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Listen to what he says he can do. I will open rivers on the barren heights. Now, I circled the word heights there and I said, Lord, let it be, let it be. Right here. I will open rivers on the barren heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the wild olive tree. I will set the cypress in the desert, the plane tree and the pine tree together. Listen to verse 20. That men may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. That the Holy One of Israel has created it. Can you say amen? Let's pray for these needs and for the word of God. Father, we come to you. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you will touch and minister to the word as it goes forth in power. Your anointing. I pray that this preacher will get out of the way and that your words will come clear into the hearts of your people because you are guiding and directing and you're pushing, you're prodding us into the valley of the place where we can know the living waters of God. I pray that you would speak to us today by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for the state of Israel. We lift them up to you today. Pray for their sons and their daughters, their warriors, their leaders, their mothers, their fathers. We pray for your chosen. We ask you to protect them on every side, to touch their lives and bless them abundantly. For, Lord, your word declares that we should seek the good of Israel. And as we do, we are blessed, cursed if we don't. So, Father, we ask you to bless Israel. The politicians of our day would try to detour us and try to get us to see things differently from your word. But, Lord, we will hold to the foundations of your word. We will pray and seek the peace of Jerusalem. We ask you to touch her today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, will not fail to ask you to continue to please touch and bless. Release into the, the peace of God and the presence of God, the United States of America. Touch our leaders, touch our families, touch the foundations of who we are. Lord, this country is not about Democrats and Republicans. It's about people, a people that were founded on Christian principles. We ask you to touch and minister to a society that has gone crazy. 
for Lord a society that is trying to vote in all kinds of debauchery and murder and evil and we ask you Lord touch in the name of Jesus Christ we believe in the sanctity of life we believe in the power of your Holy Spirit at work in the lives of your people and we believe that this country can still be blessed today because there are still grandmas and grandpas mothers and fathers sons and daughters who are calling on the name of Jesus Christ we ask you touch us again send a revival to America as never before Lord there have been many great awakenings in the world we dare to believe and ask for an out pouring from the living water wells of glory to touch America one more time. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. And everyone together said amen, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can be seated. Well, it came out in my prayer. I didn't know where it would come out, but I won't go into this, but I will say that somebody made a comment that preachers are afraid to say anything about abortion. Can I just tell you this preacher is not afraid to tell you that I believe in the sanctity of life. Amen. I believe in protecting babies. I believe in loving them. The safest place in the world ought to be a mother's womb. Can I get an amen? I will not allow them to browbeat us down and try to make us look like we're the crazy folks. I believe in protecting children. I believe in protecting babies. And we will do everything in our power to minister to the young ladies and to the young men who find themselves in these desperate situations because it's also important that I also tell you that I also believe in ministering to the hurting that have been brainwashed and convinced that this is the only way they can solve the problems that they find themselves in. I also believe, I also believe that if you are someone who has gone through this painful journey, I have had conversations from this very congregation with ladies who have said, Pastor, do everything in your power to convince them to run away from this wrong solution. They said, it has destroyed my life. But you know what? The mercy of God is still able. The grace of God is still able. And he forgives. And so we will not judge you. We will stand with you to acknowledge that God is the author and the finisher, Jesus, of our faith. Amen. With that said, I want to talk about living water wells. I love the way that the, the scripture here in Isaiah that I read to you as a text, the poor and needy are seeking water and where there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I see it every day. People are hungry and thirsty. They, they even go to churches and they find inside the church houses shows. They find uh, a nominal kind of dead religion. They find things that don't minister, that don't bring a transformation of life. 
you know, as a pastor, I feel the responsibility. I feel the burden this morning that this church must be. It is my season. Now, I'm holding a torch at this season of the years, the 104 years of this church's history. And I stand with a responsibility. I have cried out to God many times, Lord, this is not. Some people think, wow, man, you got it made. You're the pastor of Stratford Heights Church. No, you know what? I believe it's a burdensome thing. It is a responsibility that is heavy and holds quiet and accountability. And I carry that seriously before the Lord in prayer. And I ask him to lead me and to guide me and direct me. Because I believe at the end of it all, I will stand accountable much more than any other folks who have attended here. The blood will be on my hands. And so I understand and know the brevity of what I'm speaking about today. And so you'll know and you'll understand why I don't apologize for the fact that I believe that I should fight for this to be a refuge, a fortress, a lighthouse, a place that is full of the power of Almighty God. I declare this is a lighthouse for God. This is the place where the Holy Spirit is free to transform and to change the hearts and lives of men and women who need to be saved. We need the living water in this house. Water that can't be turned off. Water that you can't get, you can't just depend on a third party to kind of bring to you. I'm going to teach you something. We need to make sure the atmosphere of this house is a place where when you walk in and it's on his shoulders and that choir, it's on their shoulders when they come in to lead us into a place of worship, to lead us into the powerful presence of God. That's not just a job for Gary Turner. That is a calling and a responsibility. It's his job to make sure he's pleasing God with that worship. It is my job as a minister of the gospel and the pastor of this church to make sure I protect the pulpit. I protect what comes off the pulpit. That I make sure that I'm giving you what I declare and know to be the true word of God. So that you will see it, understand it, and be able to absorb it into your own spirit. And it brings transformation to you. We need the living water of God. We need to know where the source of it comes from because how many of you know it doesn't come from more programming, doesn't come from ideas. You'll, you'll rest and be relaxed today when you finally realize that I am, although I like cool, I love excellence, I love lights, yes I do, I, am all, I was a youth pastor for 18 years, so get over it. <laughs> that was supposed to be a funny, <laughs> y'all looked at me like. I like things cool. I think it ought to be cool. You come in my house. Cameron came in my house one night and he was just like, your house is so just homey. He said, you got these low lights and I like colored lights. and I, That's who I am. Excuse me. Understand and know that I realize and know that those are not the things that transform and change lives. All they are is just fishing uh, bait. It's tackle. It's stuff to draw the people in and say, hey, that's Stratford Heights. really cool. They have like these wooden pallets up on stage and they have colored lights. It's cool. But that's as far as it goes. Because the living, true, living water of God is the only thing that satisfies the soul. It's the only thing that touches the heart, the soul of man and woman, children. It isn't 
programs and ideas and ministries that will bring pools in the desert. Oasis kind of atmosphere in the midst of a dry and barren land that we live in. It's not those things that will cause the world to change, but it's the presence of God as the source, the power. That's what brings transformation. That's what brings the miracle. God creates an oasis of living water pools, springs, fountains in the middle of a desert. All throughout the word, he declares to us over and over again, I'll cause flowers to bloom, trees to bloom. I'll put, I'll make waters come from the most unrealistic places. He's, he's a God of the miraculous. He challenges us to face our wildernesses, knowing that in the wilderness he'll bring manna if necessary. He'll feed you with ravens if he must. He'll take you by a brook that is dry and suddenly it won't be dry anymore. God will always provide. In my family's life, it was my mom who, who they were worried sick. She had six kids and the newest baby had been born and my dad was working second shift and he had been working two and three shift or two shifts a day. He's gone for 16 to 20 hours a night and we never hardly saw him and she had a baby that was crying and had no milk and she called my dad at work and she said, dad, or <laughs> she didn't call him dad. <laughs> Ray, she said, Ray, the baby is crying. We have no milk. You're not going to be off. I don't know what to do. And he said, I don't know what to tell you. I don't even have any money. I have nothing in my pocket. We're just going to have to wait till payday. I'll figure something out. And my mom went back, and she's pacing the floor. She's praying. She's praying. She finally, she goes, lays down on the couch. And right in the middle, as soon as she goes off to sleep, she has a dream. And in the middle of the dream, the Lord showed her the drawer, a drawer in her bedroom. And in that drawer, she saw a white envelope. And then she woke up, and she immediately jumped off the couch, ran back to her room. And I'm like, my mother is crazy. But she ran back to the room. She went in her bedroom, and all I remember hearing was, praise the Lord. She was screaming hallelujah and having herself a hoedown. She wouldn't even let us come in the room. She got on her knees by her bed and was worshiping and praising God. Came out of there with $7.34 in an envelope. Just enough to take care of getting some milk for the baby. Let me tell you, he will bring it out of nowhere in the middle of your desert when it's not possible. God can make it happen. I've known people who've said groceries turned up on my front doorstep when I didn't know where they came from. I've met people who had one miracle after another. I'm telling you, we need once again to go back and redig up the old wells and understand the power of God's presence is in the living waters that he's given to us through his word. He's made promises to you and I. and We can have it. I've never been one to be satisfied with somebody else's water. Well, the comedy never ends. Wow. <laughs> I've never been one to be satisfied with what everybody else has got. You know, everybody, oh, they, man, they loaded up in vans and loaded up in cars. And everybody, back in 1995, I think it was, they went, they all went down to Pensacola. Everybody went trailing down to Florida. Now, understand, I recognize a powerful, mighty move of God. And I heard the testimonies 
And it was great. I get that. That's awesome. People getting saved like crazy. The, to me, the greatest revival was Hillsong Australia. They had 130,000 people get saved in the revival that birthed the Hillsong Church. Great, awesome. The great awakening that took place. The revivals that have happened in Springfield, Missouri, and Cleveland, Tennessee, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Toronto, Canada. I get it. These are great things. But you know what? I don't go chasing after those things. Somebody said, did you go to Brownsville? I said, no, I didn't really. You know why? Because I prayed over a map in my youth group that night. One of the nights that I was praying and talking about that, I was thinking, should we go to Brownsville? Should I load up all the young people and go to Brownsville? And, and you know what? Something got down inside my heart, and I guess I was just, I don't know if it was selfish or what, and I, I don't know to this day, except I, this is what I do know. I got down on my knees, and I saw a weather map, and I took this big weather map, and I drew it out, and I put a big high-pressure system over Pensacola, Florida, and I put it around, and I took it to the youth group that Tuesday night, and I said, if God can move there, God can move right here. And if he can move here, we ought to seek him until we find him. He said, in Jeremiah, if you will search for me and seek me with all of your heart, I will be found of you, says the Lord. I, you've come too late to tell me i got to chase revivals all over the world. I've come to find out he's right here, wherever two or three have come together in his presence. That's what I believe in. I believe it's easier for you and I to go chase after somebody else's revival. We ought to get on our face, get broken before him, fill this altar full of prayers to heaven, and bring the glory down into this very place. Is that all right? Again, I'm not putting off on those revivals. They're wonderful. I'm thankful for what God does there. And I watch the videos. Lyndall Cooley was cool. But my heart is that God can do that anywhere. And if he can do it anywhere, like the old song says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. When he birthed this church in 1915 over on Auburn Street 104 years ago, he birthed this church with a mission and a purpose. He touched us. He, we had no idea. They had no idea back in the day. They had no idea when they were meeting for a Bible study on a front porch over there that there was going to be a church 104 years later that would be full in two services. They had no idea that we'd be having outreaches like we have and that we'd be doing what we've done worldwide. They would have had no idea that one day people from this very church would be missionaries all around the world. They had no idea there'd be preachers born out of this house and missionaries and teachers and singers and praise and worship leaders. We've got them all over the country. We've got a little pastor's wife in Memphis, Tennessee sent me a text yesterday thanking me for the youth ministry that birthed in her a calling and now her and her husband are pastoring down in Memphis, Tennessee. I've got another Another one in Virginia who's a worship leader over a thousand member church and he's writing all the time saying thank you for the ministry that came out of this church. I mean they're everywhere. They're all over the place, all over the world. I talked with Fred and Jackie Kessner the other night and they said hey Stratford West is working and going strong. Now you understand for them Stratford West means Australia and Japan. Who would have known? Who would have guessed such a responsibility that lays upon us? There's been a special hand of God on this church. There's been a powerful touch of God. I've been here. I've been here since I was 18. This church saved my life. You say, no, brother. 
God saves the, saves your soul. I know he saved my soul. God saved my soul, but he led me to drive an hour every Sunday down to Middletown to the Harlem Park Church of God where that church was used by God to save my life. This is a, this is a place that ought to be held sacred. I'm, I'm preaching now. This is a place that ought to be held in, in holy esteem. Not for who it is and not for the people and not for the we raise ourselves up to be some kind of celebrity. But because this is a well, this is a well for the Lord. Because it all comes back to the source and the strength. This place, living waters. That's why I'm thankful when the Spirit of God moves. Thankful when the presence of God causes us, us to get out in the aisles and you're always welcome to worship God. I love Sister Nona, man. She'll get out here and she'll dance all the way across the, the front here. Don't you ever shame her. Don't you ever look down on her for doing that. You ought to do yourself a little praising too. I'm thankful for people that will get out in the aisle. I'm thankful for people that will worship. I'm thankful for those that will be determined that when they come in this house that God is real. And this is more than just a religious center. They would have come here under, a, under an obligation in their spirit to give him worship. Those that love God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who love him and worship him and praise him, those are the people that will get his attention. And we understand that obedience to him and finding out what he wants for us. I mentioned that there's been a special hand clear back. I can remember the revivals that we used to have. And I remember Steve Brock preaching one Sunday night. And he was preaching and he preached on the insanity of sin. And I'll never forget as he walked across the old platform over at the Harlem Park building. As he walked from one side to the other, the Holy Ghost had fallen in the house. People were laid out on the floor everywhere. And he spoke a word of prophecy and he said, this church has a mighty hand of God over her. This house is blessed by God. And then I can go back, go forward a little bit to Jensen Franklin. That's right. Jensen Franklin used to come to revival every year. He'd preach two weeks right at the old Harlem Park building. Then he'd jump down to Princeton Pike and we'd go down there and hear him as well. But he'd come in here and preach. I'll never forget one night. He laid the, the saxophone down, walked across the front of the altar there. And he looked up and he said, God has placed a mighty hand of greatness over this house. He said it out loud right there and I kept keeping score because it was Perry Stone who came for two weeks revival once again and there were people drunk in the Holy Ghost over in the corner and people were laid out on the floor. We stayed in church that night till 4 a.m. worshiping and praising God. Wouldn't leave the house because of the presence of the Lord and Perry looked over. He was standing in the right high, right side of the altar and he said, mm, mm, mm. You know how he talks. He said, there's a hand of greatness over this house. And the word greatness has come. Tommy Madden, David Griffith, several other folks have spoken that word over this house. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to sit back on our high and holy throne in our country club membership. No, that means we're to be more broken and more humble than we've ever been. To know God wants to use this church to do a mighty work for him in these last days. And if it was spoken in 1985, if it was spoken in 1921, if it was spoken back in 1998, it is real 2019. And we need to stand up, get the torch up, and start moving in the spirit of almighty God. Oh, I feel him. Hallelujah. I feel the power of God. He wants us to understand he's the source. He's the source. The 
power of the Holy Spirit. The devil tried to stop this message. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. I had a blasting headache. I couldn't function, couldn't lay down. I thought I'd try to lay down. I couldn't lay down. I went out and sat in a chair. I just started going over things, and, and I couldn't move my head. It was one of those that was just so bad. And I all the way at 5, 6, 7 o'clock still couldn't. I took ibuprofen. That didn't work. I prayed, and the Lord was just leading me along. I get here. I pick up Cameron. He was riding with me to church this morning. And I said, man, just pray for me. My head is killing me. And I, I thought, how am I going to preach this morning? I'm just going to have to get over it and do it in pain. That's what I thought. Just do it in pain. The Lord will bless it. And I kept asking God to touch it. I got here. We went through the first part of the service. It was still going. I get into the altar. I look at Brother pa Pastor James and Richard and Cameron. And these guys were all down on the altar. And I said, pray for me. I've got a horrible headache, and I want God to heal me and touch me. And I want you to know within 10 minutes that headache was gone. There ain't a thing wrong with my head right now. I am completely free from it. That is the power of God. The devil wants to try to stop you and I, but you and I need to get a fresh understanding of the living waters of God. It's available 24 hours a day. You don't have to go to a special revival. You don't have to go chase a certain evangelist. You just got to get a hold of the living water. The source that's coming out of the well. Mm. My heart is, oh, I feel the power of God in this place. The, the responsibility that I have in my heart this morning is that I'm driven to sustain the moving of God. It was Bill Isaacs, one of my heroes, who, who works with me and coaches me every now and again. A wonderful, godly man. He's preached here many times. Bill Isaacs had called me. And he was telling me, he was asking me a question and he was talking about the church and he said, you realize that you're not pastoring a church, don't you? And I said, then what am I doing? <laughs> he said, you're pastoring a move of God and that's different. Lots of people pastor churches. There are, there are churches filled this morning where they'll go through the monotony, and they'll go through the order, and they'll go through, and they won't accomplish very much, except they've gotten through it and laid their offering in the plate and walked out the door. There's a lot of churches meeting this morning where there is no transformation. Oh, they're cute. They put on a good show, and they might even have a whole lot of entertainment. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's about lives being transformed and changed by the power of God. Alcoholics who are set free, drug addicts who get free, people who are ready for divorce that come back together and God renews and rekindles their covenant together. It's about lost sons and daughters in a 24-hour period coming home to the Lord. Power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? The power of God. The greatest thing we'll ever do is we find out what God is doing. Brother Watkins said this years ago. We find out what God is doing, and we get in on that. That is what assures us of being right smack dab in the middle of God's perfect plan and will. That will secure the living water wells we're talking about. An oasis, fountain, springs, water, that, that prodigal wall, seeing things happen. It's all throughout the word of God that we see and understand the, the, the presence of the Lord, the obedience that brings power. I keep going back to the, the, the woman at the issue, with the issue, or, or the, the, the woman who went to the well, I'm sorry, come to Samaria at the heat of the day because she was so shamed and embarrassed. And, and there she would come when, 
everybody else would would not come, that she wanted to come at the most inconspicuous time. And here many were there in the morning, and the gossipers would be there late in the evening, and she didn't want to run into any of them. So she found her way into the, the heat of the day. It says at the very middle of the day, the, at noontime, I think, is what we kind of gather. And there is Jesus waiting on her, waiting on her. And I think about that. I'm so amazed by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God who's waiting on her. She came there thirsty. She came thirsty. And in the process of her trying to fill her water pots with earthly things, earthly water, she ended up leaving her water pots and wasn't thirsty anymore couldn't get back to town fast enough because of the supernatural living water that had satisfied her thirst. Can I tell you, he wants to satisfy you in a way that you have never dreamed was even possible. He wants to bring into your life, into your wilderness, into your trouble, into your trial. He wants to touch you in a way that will show you his glorious, miraculous, mighty power. He is waiting for someone to believe him, to stand in faith, declare that he is the God of his word. He's wanting us once again to make sure as a church that we are digging the wells. Oh, I've got so much more to preach about tonight and I've got or today and I've got three minutes to do it. But I would make mention of Isaac who went who was pushed, pushed by Abimelech, the king of Israel, pushed, pushed into the valley of Gerar. And there he thought he was being pushed out of the city, the city of promise that he'd been given. He thought that because of the trouble that people had, had uh, put him through, that they, they pushed him out and he, he got into the valley of Gerar. But you know what? One by one, it says there, and I wish I could expound on this, but it said one by one, he suddenly kept uncovering all of the wells that his father Abraham had, had dug up and had, had provided. And you know, the Philistines had long been mad at Abraham and had covered up those wells. How many of you know the world, the devil, evil people, they'll do everything they can to shut you up, to shut the church up, to cover us up with worldly things, fill us full of the earth and the dirt of the world so that the well will not be a wellspring of living waters. There's such a story here to tell. But I tell you, what was awesome about that is that the enemy thought they were pushing uh, Isaac out of the lands of promise that Abraham had been given. But what they were really doing was pushing him into his promise. Be sure the world doesn't understand and the devil hasn't gotten it yet. He is not going to be able to bully you out of the promise. There is no way. That promise is from God and it is going to follow through in your life. It's going to come through just like he promised that it would. As he started uncovering all of them wells, they were his, you see. That was awesome about it because when you dug a well in the Old Testament, that kind of meant when you hit water, that was kind of like your deed and title to the land. So every time he found one of daddy's wells and he saw that it was full and running over with living water, he said, whoa, this land is mine in the valley. I've got this. And then he went on to another one and it said he found all of the wells and uncovered them all and there they were. He ended up being the richest man in Gerar. He became one of the most wealthiest men everywhere. So much so that King Abimelech literally came with his soldiers and his warriors and his assistant came to him to try to make a peace deal. 
because he was so powerful. Let me tell you something. The living waters of God will make you a successful, victorious overcomer for the Lord. You will be a giant to the kingdom. There's a lot of people, man, they live so beneath and below what God has called you to be. I want to say it over this house this morning. He's raising you and I up to be giants of faith. He's looking once again for some people that will believe him for some mighty, mighty miracles and outpourings. He's looking for a church that will say, Hey, you know what? We are a fortress. We are a mighty place. We are a place of refuge. We are a, st- a covert from the storm. We are a city set on a hill that can't be hid. We are salt. We are light. He's looking for a people that will believe him so that when the giants of this world come attacking the faith, there'll be those that'll stand through it all and declare that our God has brought us out and through to victory one more time. One more time. Move on us, God. One more time. Let the power. Oh! One more time move on your church. Raise up a revival in these last days. And there'll be others. They'll say, no, we don't want any part of it. That's all right. I want to know who in here says, let it be. Amen and amen. I'm ready, Lord. I want the fire. I want the power. Oh. I need you every hour. Every hour. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Let me tell you, when Isaac got done finding all of Daddy's wells, said he got brave by this point. He went over and dug another well. Out of nowhere, a well, that, a new well. Said when he got it, he struck water. Because he's Abraham's son. Struck water and then all the herdsmen from Gerar came to him and said, ha, ha, that's our water. That ain't your daddy's. That's ours. You can't have that. So what did he do? He walked over to another place. He moved over to another place. Started digging again. Water. Bunch of other folks came over. They were mad as fire. He did it again. He, he did it again. He got water out of, we've been digging all around here forever and never had any water. They were in a famine. Nobody had water. Nobody had food. Nobody had any crops. And here is Isaac because he is obedient, faithful, and under the promise of God. And when he stood, everything he touched turned to gold. He went down, water. They come and he named that place, he named that well Sitna. Sitna, you know what that means? It's Hebrew for Satan. It means hate. He named it that because the people are so hateful. How many know they're always going to be haters? And he thought, Lord, wow, they need to chill. He went over to another place. He dug again, water. And then he was like, nobody came. That's how we're going to end this today. You listen up closely. Nobody came. He waited. I guess this one's ours. New ground. New, new claim. New territory. Moving forward in something you never experienced before. Owning something you never had before. Moving in power you didn't realize before.
so he called that place. He called that place Rechabal. That means God has made room for us. Let me tell you something. God is going to make, God is going to make a place for you. You've wondered what in the world. Everything's been taken from you. It looks like you're surrounded on every hand. And every time you go to do something and the blessing, the victory, you think is yours, somebody comes and rips it out from underneath you. I'm speaking to somebody. Only everybody stand with me and I'll shut up in a minute. Everything you've done, everything you've tried to do, nothing's working. There's a word for you today. Here's a word of prophecy for you today. The word of God declares it. Rechabal. He's going to make a place for you. He's going to make room for you. Satan can't take it. Haters can't take it. The world can't fill it in. Isn't that crazy the way the Philistines were so mad at Abraham's blessing that they went and filled in all those wells with dirt? Who in their right mind would take a well running clean, clear, pure water and fill it in with dirt except you got a devil in you? They shut it up. It may, you may feel like all daddy's wells are dry. They shut up. The haters are taking everything you get. Satan himself is fighting you. But know this. God's going to make room for you. God's going to make a room for you. Mm. Yes, As a witness of three. Spirit will say, do you think that my power is limited? Have you considered my creation, my presence? Do you think that I would forsake you, says the Lord? Lean heavily upon my word. Stand surely upon the rock of my promise. Know that I am here and I have blessing. Know that I am here and I have deliverance. Know that I am with you, and I have healing and restoration. Trust and know that I am a God of powerful, powerful words that will stand through the tests of all time. I will be a mighty fortress for you, says the Lord. You must only believe. Lay hold of the promises I have given. Lay hold upon them in strong faith and know that I will perform it, says the Lord, and you shall see the deliverance for yourself. 
you lift your hands and honor the presence of God. Hallelujah. Wow, strong, strong move of the Spirit of God this morning. The witness of three, the Bible tells that there would be no more than that. But the witness of three in the gifts and operation of the Spirit of God. And then two that would bring the word from the Lord. It's a powerful way of the Lord getting our attention. It's biblical. It doesn't stand in opposition to the word. So you need only trust in him today. He said to only believe. That he will perform his word. With confidence you can look to the heavens today. Psalm 121. I will look under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. And can surely take care of you. You may feel like you're surrounded. On every side. But you are completely surrounded. By the creator who loves you and brings deliverance to you. Would you, I don't do this very often, especially during flu season, but if you're comfortable, would you reach over and take the hand of somebody standing beside of you? And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not, you may say that promise was for me, that word was from me, that message today is from me, for me. But I want you to do something in obedience. I want you to pray for the ones you're holding hands with. I want you to pray for yourself. Your promise is going to come through your prayer for someone else. I want you to begin to pray for one another right now. Would you do that? Just begin to cry out to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless my brothers. Bless my sisters. Meet the needs in their lives as they look to you now. They honor you. Praise you and thank you for your grace and mercy, your delivering hand, your touch of healing. We honor you today. We bless your name, Lord. Bless their homes. Bless their families. Minister to their marriages and to their hearts and lives. Touch them where physical needs are, are needed and they need a healing touch. Bring provision, God, that astounds them and surprises them. Bless them indeed, Lord. Protect them and keep them from all harm and let the work of God be accomplished Make to bring them into their destiny, I pray in Jesus' name. We honor you and we praise you today for your hand. With every head bowed now and every eye closed, for just a moment, if you're here today and you need Jesus Christ in your life, you need to accept him as Lord and Savior today before you leave this house. If you need things to be right between you and the Lord, he's ready to save you. He's ready to forgive you. He's ready to restore your life and change your mind. But you've got to respond. We're going to pray a prayer, and as we do, we're going to ask that you simply respond by lifting your hand up and then right back down. If you'd say, God bless you, sir. Is there anyone else? I want to th things to be right between me and the Lord today. I want to pray with you, Pastor. Is there anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? These that have lifted their hand, there's one. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Christians are praying. Hands are going up. God bless you, sir. God bless you. You, God bless you. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
boy heaven is rejoicing. The Bible says if, they, if the angels rejoice over one, boy, what kind of party is happening right now? Hands going up all over the place. Is there anyone else? I'll wait just another second. You want to join in this celebration before the throne of God. You say, I want to be right with God. I want to pray. Is there anyone else? All right. These that have lifted their hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You've heard this before and we do it differently because we know that if we just say a little formula of a prayer, it's nothing. But if it comes from your heart, you believe in your heart that he's the son of God, that God raised him from the dead, he came for you, then the Bible declares that if you believe that and you confess it today, what you're doing, then the Bible says you're saved. So we're going to pray this prayer. Prayer from your heart saves your life. Let's pray right now together. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. You are the Son of God. You came and died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. I come now. Cleanse me. Wash me. And, clean, and save me. I come now believing and ask you to strengthen me every day until you come for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Melissa Grawl, our discipleship pastor, is right here. She's going to turn around so you can see her. Wave real big so they can see you. It's a slanted floor. They may not see you down front. She's going to be out. At the small group table, her or someone there, a representative, if you made, prayed that prayer today, please go by there. they got a Bible for you. they got some free gifts for you to help you get started in your new walk with God. So, Brother James, come ahead. Before you leave, we're going to give Pastor a time to get.